Morning. Uh, welcome. I'm I'm Samuel. Uh, welcome to uh, all our regulars and our and anybody who's visiting today. Um, we're going to have a look at uh, this is like a one-off kind of topical thing. You know, normally we preach through series uh, or even um, usually expository type things where we look at one piece of scripture after the other. But but today we're doing a, a one-off topical kind of look at this question that often comes up in our Christian lives, you know, how can I know I'm saved? So let me start with a, with a moment of prayer and then we will have a look at this question. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together uh, as people from uh, different walks of life, different ages and stages, and we thank you, Lord, that we all come together as one in Christ, where there's no um, there's no uh, distinction between um, age or class or gender or, uh, or or line of work. But Lord, we all come together uh, as one in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have gathered us out of the world to be here this morning. Um, but we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us. We pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be would be. Uh, wonderful would be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have two trees. You can uh, see them here uh, this morning. I have two trees. And they're of a a similar height. They're of a similar leaf colour and shape. They both have uh, barbs on their branches. And, you know... One looks like it might be better watered than the other, but for the most part, they look like they could be the same type of tree. But there's one glaring difference between these two trees. What is it? Fruit. One has a bunch of fruit hanging off its branches and one has nothing. Now, I know what type of tree each of these is because they're my trees. I own them, I grow them, I water them. I've got their labels. But for the most part, looking on from over there, it might be hard to see from the outset that these trees are different. And it would be even harder if one didn't have fruit hanging off its branches. They both belong to the same family of trees. They both have been living and growing in the same environment. They've both been fed and watered from the same source. Yet I can tell you now that one will produce beautiful, juicy orange fruit later in the year, and one will produce nothing. And even if it does produce fruit in future years, its fruit will be sour. Now imagine I gave you both these trees without their labels, without fruit. For someone who's not familiar with the intricacies of these fruit trees, the only way you're going to be able to tell what kind of fruit tree each is, is to wait and see what kind of fruit that it bears in due time. Unfortunately, this takes months and years uh, for trees to reach maturity and then when the flowers come on they take a while like probably take a year for these these fruit to become ripe from flower to to picking now where am i going with this i want each of you to conceive of yourself this morning like a fruit tree like these ones over here we're all here as trees in an orchard 
you're in a tree orchard with everybody else here today, the person sitting next to you, the person who greeted you this morning when you walked in, the person who read the Bible for us earlier, the person who played the music, we're all trees in this orchard together. But none of us have labels. I can't walk over to you and read your label and see what kind of tree you are. We all look kind of similar, you know, not physiologically speaking, but spiritually speaking, we turn up to church. We hear the same messages being preached. We live in a similar environment. We share share the same Bible for our spiritual nourishment. We sing the same songs together. We say amen to the same prayers. We nod our heads in agreement with the same words that get spoke from this pulpit. Yet, not all of us will bear sweet, juicy fruit. Many of us know people in our own lives who have walked the Christian walk and talked the Christian walk together, and yet they've turned out to be fruitless or sour. They may have turned their back on the faith, or for some they've just coasted along and never really taken faith for themselves. And we know by experience that people turn out to be fruitless trees. But the Bible also tells us that there will be fruitless trees. There will be false converts. There will be people who look like Christians for a time, but are not authentic believers. And there's a scary verse about this in Matthew uh, chapter 7, where Jesus says, he says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't know about you, but this verse is a bit frightening. That idea that perhaps the person who's sitting beside us or our friends or, or the people that even teach you the Bible might come face to face with Jesus only to find out that they never knew him as Lord and Saviour. And the question goes, well, will that be me? Will I be the one who comes face to face with Jesus and he says to me these words? It's scary because when we come face to face with Jesus, there's no more, there's no more second chances. There's no more opportunities. On that day, on that judgment day, that will be it. And this verse, I think, is meant to shake us out of our complacency. This verse is meant to make us go, hang on a sec. Am I going to be one of those people? Am I going to be saved? Or am I going to be the one who Jesus says, I never knew you? It makes us ask, how can I know this won't happen to me? How can I know that my Christianity is real? How can I know I'm saved? And this is the main question that we're going to answer here today. How can I know I'm saved? You know, for many of us, with the brokenness of sin in our own life, we see others fall away from the Christian faith and we wonder, is that me? Am I next? To answer this question, we're going to ask two other questions. And the answer to these two other questions will help us figure out, am I saved? We're going to ask, how do I get saved? And how do I know it's for real? How do I get saved? And how do I know it's for real? Hopefully the answers to these questions will illuminate to us where we stand in relation to God. Neither give us comfort or they should shake us and say, I need to do something about this. We should either walk out of here in peaceful joy 
or in fear of what it means to be a false convert. So firstly, how do I get saved? We're going to answer this question, how do I, how do I know I'm saved? It's a good idea to figure out first you know, how to get saved in the first place. Uh, we use various words to describe being saved. We say we, we know Jesus or we've been born again, we've been redeemed. Um, we, we, we use words like conversion, receiving eternal life and other things like that. And while there's subtle emphasis to the different words that we use to, to talk about getting saved, it all means essentially the same thing. Being saved means something that we, there's something that we need to be saved from. And, and by, the Bible portrays salvation as, as a rescue from the kingdom of darkness. It's a world ruled and influenced by Satan. Rescue from sin, which is like a cancer in our lives and has affected our whole being. It means a rescue from death and the, the wages of that sin and a punishment from God for our rebellion. But it also means being saved into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom that's ruled by Jesus, saved into purity and holiness and righteousness of character, attitudes and actions. It means being saved into eternal, joyful life with our King forever. So how do you make the switch? How do you get saved? Well, Jesus himself tells us the good news, the the gospel, he tells us the good news about how to be saved. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark summarizes, summarizes Jesus' message of getting saved into that one phrase, repent and believe the gospel. It's that simple. You must repent, you must turn away from sin and disobedience, you must give up life in opposition to God so that you may turn towards God and believe the good news that he has saved you. You see, the actual act of being saved is something that, that God does for us. He does the saving through Jesus Christ. But you have to receive that salvation. You have to, you have to, for want of a better word, you have to claim it. You have to grab it. You have to grasp it. You have to receive that salvation he's given you by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. God redeems, but we have to receive. And, and Jesus says something similar about this salvation in John 5. He breaks down what faith looks like. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He, has, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The saved person must hear Jesus' words and believe the one who sent him. Essentially, Jesus is saying uh, you have to not just comprehend but receive Jesus' message and believe that he was on a legitimate mission from God. Uh, this, this reminds me of um, during the week I was hanging out with my nephews the other day and they were, they were helping me. One of them uh, is a very inquisitive fellow and he was investigating all the items in the shed where we were. He was picking up stuff and he was looking at it. He was moving things around. And at first it was harmless. He was just poking around and having a look. But soon it turned into, you know, putting things in the wrong place and, and creating trip hazards and probably playing with things that might hurt him. So I had to speak to him to save him from himself and to save him from kindling my wrath. I spoke to him and I said, 
Don't move that, please. Now, he heard me. It wasn't noisy in there. I spoke quite clearly, and he heard me, but he didn't hear me. You see what I'm saying? He didn't acknowledge or act on what I said. And I said to him again, please don't move that. But there was still no change in his action or his response. So I got down on his level and I looked him in the face and I said, look me in the eye. Please don't move that. If you don't listen to me, you won't get to be in here with me. Now, before I could even get that whole sentence out of my mouth, he said, yes, I know that. I know that. In an almost insulted tone. But the thing is that he knew it, but he didn't know it. He knew it, but he hadn't received my words and responded to them. He had heard me, but he hadn't received it. He had heard, but he didn't listen. And when I began to tell him that third time and warned him, he changed his actions and he stopped moving things around. But it was only after that he responded to what I had said that I could actually say that he had heard me. You see how this relates to our salvation, how it relates to us getting saved. We must hear Jesus. Not just hear it like a child who hears the words and ignores them, but we have to hear the words by receiving them and responding to them. We must repent and believe. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And Paul the Apostle continues to outline what that kind of faith looks like. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one confesses and is justified and with the mouth, sorry, with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you see how Paul reminds us how we are saved through faith? Everyone who calls on God will be saved. Everyone who takes him at his word and believes him will be saved. We believe that Jesus is Lord and we acknowledge that by confessing it, by saying it, by pronouncing that Jesus is our King, Saviour, who's raised from the dead. We show our faith by receiving and responding to the message. So it might seem that faith, you know, getting saved is a relatively simple matter, you know. All you have to do is repent and believe. Put your faith in Jesus, trust, receive his word. And I, I think many of us often wonder if we've done it right. It seems so simple that we wonder if we actually did it properly. You know, was, did I say the right prayer? Was I, was I sorry enough over my sin? Was I authentic enough in my pleas to God for salvation? We wonder, have I done it right? Am I saved? But we don't need to obsess over these things. After all, it's not actually my faith which accomplishes my salvation. It's Jesus who accomplishes my salvation. I simply receive it by faith. He redeems, we receive. I access his work by faith, by believing, by hearing, by receiving. He saves me and I, and I receive that salvation by faith. I get saved by believing that his mission on earth was an excess and that he actually accomplished a rescue for us. 
And this, this faith isn't blind either. It isn't just, I have to have faith in some kind of nebulous spiritualism. I have a certain faith that is placed on a certain person who was recorded as entering into the world in history and observed by people. It isn't some secret mystical faith. It is something that is recorded through thousands of years into a book for us and preserved for us. Something that was observed by people, real people like you and I on the ground. It is not some, it's not just some nebulous faith. It is a faith in something that happened. And because of what was recorded as happening, our faith is founded on that and looks forward to what we can't see. Our faith isn't blind. So, if we have faith, how do we show that we have that faith? How do we publicly confess that Jesus is Lord? Well, through a myriad of ways, but kind of the first step along the way to revealing, showing that we have faith is that we publicly confess that Christ is Lord in baptism. That is a sign that we take that we have received Christ. When we've repented and believed, on the inside, we show on the outside through a physical act that a spiritual change has happened in us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are dying to the old world of sin and darkness and we're washed purer and clean and we raise to new life in Christ. Baptism is an external sign that this has happened in our life. Baptism is the person who has disowned the darkness and pledges loyalty to Jesus. It's throwing off the old and calling on God to cleanse you as water cleanses the body. A baptism is a sign to other Christians and to yourself, I got saved. It's not a, baptism is not a magical wand that gives you a ticket to heaven. It's not a guarantee that your faith is valid. Plenty of people get baptized and walk away from the faith. But it's an external sign of what should be going on inside. Okay, so we get saved by repenting and believing. And one of the external signs that that has taken place in us is that we, we partake in baptism. But to answer the first part of the question of how can I know I'm saved, you have to have first repented and believed. If you've never done that, then you can't be part of God's kingdom. You can't be saved from Satan, sin and death if you've not first repented and believed in Jesus Christ. Because we don't catch Christianity from hanging around church for a while. We don't, we don't inherit the faith of our parents or the parent, of their parents before them. We don't get saved by knuckling down and trying to be a good person. How do I get saved? God redeems and I receive it by faith. I believe, I trust. How do you get saved? God redeems, but you have to receive it by faith and trust. So secondly, you know, now that we've thought about how you actually get saved, the question is, how do you know that, you're, that that's for real? How do I know it's real faith? Once you've received Jesus, once you've converted to Christianity and you're trying to live the Christian life, how do you know that it's genuine? How do you know it's authentic? In the reading we had earlier, Jesus had that parable of seeds growing 
And, you know, he uses that to illustrate what it's like for people who hear the good news, for people who hear God's word. Lots of folks hear the gospel, but for many, it's not even acknowledged. Satan just comes and takes it away. For some, they appear to believe it, and then after an initial burst of vibrancy, their faith dies. And there are some who receive the gospel and they stick with it for a while, but then when things get tough, when the other life looks more enticing, when they feel like they're missing out, they pike out. But then there are true believers, those who truly hear the word and grasp it. And what's the signifying mark of the one who truly hears, who's truly saved? They bear fruit. Jesus says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Fruit follows faith. When, when a farmer looks out on the field and he sees all of his seeds that is sown, you know, it's not going to be immediately obvious as they start to sprout. It's not going to be immediately obvious which seed is in the good soil. They're all going to look the same, little, little shoots on the ground. But over time, as the sun bears down and burns up the seed in the shallow soil, and as the, as the weeds grow up and choke out some of the other grain, then it becomes obvious which grain is truly planted in the good soil, the ones that come forth into fruition. The same goes for us. We walk into this room and for years... For months and years, it will not be immediately obvious which of us are planted in the good soil. We walk into this room, the majority of us claiming to be Christians, little green shoots growing in the soil, little saplings. But it will only become apparent who's truly planted in the good soil over time with fruit. And unfortunately, we can't kind of dig ourselves up and inspect our roots to make sure that we are in the good soil. If we navel-gaze and obsess over ourselves, it's like trying to grow a plant that's constantly having its roots disturbed. We can't constantly worry about whether or not I have enough faith or if my faith is pure enough. Instead, we ought to do what Jesus says here and hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. We look upward and we receive from Jesus and we grow towards him rather than obsessing over ourselves. Our roots grow stronger over time. Our faith grows with the watering of God, with the Holy Spirit, with the food of God. Like these trees, we grow up looking similar in the same environment, under the same Bible, the same teaching. But how can we know that our faith is legit? By the fruit that the tree bears. How do I know that my salvation is real? By bearing spiritual fruit. Because fruit follows faith. How do I see that I truly know Jesus? By seeing in your life some of the righteousness and purity that Christ gave to you when he saved you. And and John, in one of his letters, tells us about this. He tells us how we know that our faith is real. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 
If we've come to know Jesus, then it will be evident in our life, the way that we live. We won't be perfect at it, as John also talks about in his letters, you know, when you sin, confess it. If anybody doesn't think they have sin, then they're a liar. He knows that there's sin in our lives, but he knows that if we have Christ in our lives, then we will be seeking and showing in some way that we are keeping his commandments, that we are bearing spiritual fruit. His attributes will come through us. And, and, and love is a great example of this. God, love for his people, the broken but redeemed, should come forth in our life. We should love each other. We know that we're broken but redeemed. And God's love should come through us. And John recognizes that as well And later on in his letter. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. There's a demonstration that God's love has come into us when God's love comes out of us. This is a spiritual fruit of salvation that should be evident in our lives if we have been saved. And that can remind us that we truly have been saved and we truly do belong to Jesus. Unfortunately, though, fruit is not something that we can kind of just muster up and spit out. It's not... It's not instant. It takes time. And like these trees here, these oranges will take a whole year to be ready from flower till full fruit. It takes time. And especially for us of the instant generation, it seems to take a really long time. I remember the first time I saw fruit on this tree and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and I thought, is this fruit ever going to ripen? But it takes time. We must take Jesus' words to heart. He says, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. With patience. And while we patiently seek to bear fruit, we will have doubts along the way. We'll have concerns. We will wonder, what's going on in my life? Especially as we see the recurring sins that we just can't seem to shake but we must rest in what God has said. Those who believe will be saved. We must take him at his word. Even if it doesn't feel like it at the time, if it doesn't feel like we're saved, we must look to him and to what he has promised and seek that spiritual fruit in our life. Uh, William Gurnall, I don't know who he is, but he has this really great quote that encapsulates the situation where we've been saved but we don't feel like we've been saved. He says, we have peace with God as soon as we believe, but not always with ourselves. The pardon may be past the prince's hand and seal, and yet not be put into the prisoner's hand. When we're saved, it's a done deal, but it often doesn't feel like it because we haven't been perfected yet. We haven't received the fullness of the kingdom. We haven't been yanked out of this messed up world. We can't yet see the fullness of God's kingdom. So we doubt and we worry. But thankfully, confidence is not the measure of our salvation. Confidence is not the measure of our salvation. We don't gain or lose our salvation based on the amount of faith that we have. God gives the pardon. We need only to receive it by faith. And we only need the smallest amount of faith. The smallness of our faith is not a problem 
I mean, it's not ideal to have little faith. It's better to have great faith, but it's not the size of our faith which saves us. God redeems, we receive. Our faith is the way we receive our salvation, not the way that we achieve it or earn it. So can we have confidence that we're saved? We may have repented and believed, and we, and we think we see some spiritual fruits starting to grow in our life over time, but can we be confident that we have it in the bag? Can I know that I am saved? Well, the New Testament writers certainly think so. Paul certainly seems pretty confident about things. When he says, you know, I've run the good race, I've, I've fought the good fight, he's pretty certain that he has got it going on. So I think that we too can have that confidence. It should be confidence. It shouldn't be arrogance. It shouldn't be presumption that we have some inalienable right. However, we can, with reflection on Scripture and with the help of mature Christians, we can examine our lives, we can examine our faith to see where we stand. Hopefully, you will be able to find a quiet confidence and assurance of salvation. And then the writer of the Hebrews talks about this in chapter 6. He notes that we enter by faith and that fruit will follow. And those whose fruit, sorry, those whose faith is genuine will endure and they will produce good fruit. But then he notes that as our fruit follows faith, we can push on and we can seek assurance. We can, we can push on and we can live in hope. We can have an active Christian life, receiving salvation. There's a couple of verses that show this. The writer says, as, and we desire that each one of you, sorry, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is what I want for us, not to be sluggish, not to be caught up. I want us to be able to look back and see that we've entered salvation by faith, bear spiritual fruit as God evidence of ownership with, of us, and we can pull on in full assurance of hope, living an actively fruitful and godly life. That's what I want for us. So how do we know that our faith is genuine? How do we know that our faith is authentic? Fruit follows faith. So what kind of tree are you here today? Are you the right kind of tree? Have you confessed that Jesus is king and been planted in righteousness by him? Or are you a tree that looks like the other tree, those trees around you, but will never produce fruit? Are you trying to fake it till you make it? Are you hoping that no one will notice that year after year you never produce fruit? You know, the Bible uses some pretty strong imagery to talk about trees that don't produce fruit, whether it be a grapevine that doesn't produce grapes or a fig tree that produces no figs, or even the grain that we were talking about, the grain that never grows grain. gets talked about as being cut down, being burned, being uprooted. It's pretty serious stuff. 
The Christian tree is the one who bears fruit. It's inevitable. Fruit is inevitable to the Christian. It is the demonstration that we genuinely belong to Jesus. And if you are unsure whether you belong to Jesus, if you're in a stage of life where you're like, I just don't know, I just don't know if I can see that fruit in my life. I just don't know if my faith is valid and genuine. Then talk to us. Talk to to other Christians in your life that you trust. Come talk to Steve or myself or Ray. We want you to be saved and we want you to have that fruit in your life and we want you to have assurance. But even if you're not worried this week or next week or you're not worried next month, when those doubts do arise, when those concerns do come to the front and you worry about your faith, you wonder, do I know that I'm saved? I want you to remember that God redeems and we receive it by faith. It's that simple. We receive it by faith. And then the evidence, we know that it's real because fruit follows faith. God redeems, we receive, and fruit follows faith. That's how you can know that you're saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give to us, you gift us, you give us through grace and mercy, this great salvation that we don't deserve. We haven't earned it. We don't have some right to it. But we receive it because of your graciousness, your mercy, your love towards us. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us that salvation through Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would give us that assurance, that confidence for those of us who are found in Christ. But for those of us, Lord, who have never actually received by faith, for those of us who are not bearing fruit in our life. Please, Lord, reveal to us our need. Reveal to us what we need to do to receive. Please, Lord, work in our life to bring forth that spiritual fruit. Please, Lord, help us to help each other, to show that that spiritual fruit to one another. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would help us to help others to be planted in righteousness. Lord, that this isn't just a thing that's for us. Lord, we don't want our orchard to stay the same size, Lord. We want to see it to be fruitful and multiply and see more and more persons planted in faith into Christ Jesus in your orchard. Please, Lord, help us to share that message, share that good news that you can be saved through Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, we're going to um, we're going to share in communion, and Steve will will lead us through that. I presume. Excellent.